You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Good morning and welcome to the Weekly Review, the radio show where two adults try to keep their heads above the ever-rising levels of pop-tide culture with the help of a millennial lifesaver. Today we examine Fred again's third album of Diary Diary House in just 12 months, Actual Life 3. We review the gloriously 2000 documentary, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Amar explains why Bimba Ilola is the only brand that understands millennials. But first... Blondie, one way or another, what an absolutely fantastic song. Um, and it was Halloween. It was Halloween on Monday. It was. Did you go out? Um, no, because I'm boring. <laughs> and Catalan. Um, oh, come two, on. You don't tell me you had Panayets instead, for God's sake. Yeah, because um, here, if you know, we don't celebrate Halloween. No, but it, <laughs> it's just because I'm boring, not because I'm Catalan, which is also great. Um being boring and Catalan. I love both of them <laughs> and I will never not be boring or never not be Catalan. So good 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 for, good for me, I guess. And but I really 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 like dressing up. <laughs> so I missed on the opportunity of dressing up. And I was wonder I was thinking if I did go out and like celebrate actual Halloween, what would be my costume because I put um, a lot of pressure on myself when it comes to thinking of like a, not a funny costume because when you're trying to be too funny you will never be funny and that's like kind of cringe so it's like a middle ground in which it's more creative than funny or maybe like a niche reference that, or something and I thought my costume would obviously be a bimbailolized girl Yep. Can yeah. I just say something? Yeah. Right. Uh, there's an, I think there should be a new rule for Halloween costumes. You shouldn't be able to look good in them. I hate it when people go out. It's like, oh, I'm a zombie nurse. And they're all like dressed up really attractive. It's, come on. No, it's like, no. No, yeah, no, no. You're not allowed to look attractive. Time, You've got to look ridiculous. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, um, go slutty all the way. <laughs> like, I, I cannot like be against dressing slutty. Like, yes. You go um, be whatever no, slutty no. version of whatever you want to be. I'm j- I'm just saying it's not the night to look n- look attractive. It's a night to look ridiculous. You know, it's a night to look very unattractive. But it, isn't it kind of ridiculous to go like all the like that extreme on sluttiness? I that's that's my my thesis today. Not today, actually. No, I, no, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I I, I don't I don't disagree but I, I like people who sort of go as like a toilet or you yeah. know like roadkill or something like but that but at the you same know? time there's like a very fine line in which you can cross like oh look I'm not like other girls I'm a toilet and it's like maybe you should just be a, like buy a pair of 
ears, like cat ears in the party city next door and, and be like a sexy cat. And, no. and that's better than no. being like, look, I'm not like others. I'm just a toilet. Oh my God, I'm so fun. Look at that stupid <laughs> girl who's a cat. And it's like, okay, maybe that girl. Well, this is the reason why we can't ever go out for Halloween. We think about it too much. Too much. Because except, I thought I took... All right, except, Except sorry. if you are Bimbay Lola... Uh, if you go as a Bimbay Lola girl, I think that's the most brilliant idea I've ever had. Like, not ever, but this week at least. So, what, <laughs> what, my just, top idea of the week. Like, for, being a Bimbay Lola girl, it's like... In the mi- you can be a slutty Bimbay Lolaized girl, you can be a extreme Bimbay Lolaized girl, you can just be Bimbay Lolaized and that's costumey enough. Like, it's the perfect idea. And re- it's re- niche enough for people to be like, oh my god, you're so clever. Really back then, what is Bimbay Lola? Yeah, so that's when I thought of this brilliant idea, I was like, oh my god, it's so brilliant, but at the same time, who is actually brilliant is Bimbay Lola because the fact that someone can dress up as your brand, it means that you have enough cultural impact for people to understand it and to see what you're referencing and and, and understand the the funny part of dressing up as this. And, and I don't think I can name a, any other brand that you could dress up and be like a funny Halloween costume or or a thing that people can understand why you would dress up as that. And I like the marketing genius behind behind Bimbay Lola is to me like uh, I would like, well, I think I know who it is, but mm, he deserves a, a raise because I I haven't seen any other brand do what Bimbay Lola has done and I'm going to go back in time. So you understand why is it so important. And the thing is, and well, I don't know, should I go on chronological order or should I start with the latest thing they've done and then go back to the beginning? I let you choose. Let's go with the latest thing they've done. They're a Spanish fashion brand from Vigo, okay. I just noticed. Yes. The, well, like everything that's Spanish fashion brand, Zara and, and Bimbay Lola, they're both from Galicia, which is... Mm, a place where fashion is born, apparently. Um, so the latest thing, it's like they're known for their purses, but they also have like um, clothing and, and shoes and stuff. So it's it's a, a brand. Um, and their latest campaign is um, start by Natasha Lyon. And she's the best, like, I, who, who thought of that? And, and because the target you must think, oh, maybe they're targeting like a, a more, like an an uh, an audience that's Natasha's age. But no, it's like perfect to hire Natasha to be even more attractive to Gen Z because you um at at the beginning of the section you said it's for millennials. That's a slur. Don't say that word. We're not millennials. Hang on, I thought you said it. <laughs> no, you said I you said, said Gen Z. I said Gen Z. I'm, sorry, not, right, sorry. I'm not the M word. I'm a Gen Z person. And. And and hiring Natasha Leon is incredible, but who direct like the, if that's not impressive enough, the campaign is directed by Petra Collins, who is like maybe the most impactful artist for Gen Z. She started on Tumblr and then made her career like photographing every celebrity, but not in a mainstream way, but in a more like cultural like cult niche internet space but at the same time 
big celebrities like Selena Gomez and Billie Eilish have worked with her, all of the Euphoria um, cast members. Um, she has incredible photography skills and, and she has that, that gaze of like the Tumblr gaze. And <laughs> Tumblr gaze. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Tumblr core. <laughs> <laughs> but it literally is. And, and, and that gaze like speaks to this kind of outsider girl who is not really an outsider. She's just a normal girl, probably upper middle class girl um, who has had this um, like teenagehood or maybe childhood on the internet and, and knows all these references, but she feels special like, oh, I, I know Natasha Lyon uh, and she's important because I have reblogged all the, the pictures when she was younger or um, that I love Cheerleader, the movie, and that was such a, a, like a changing moment in history, blah, blah, blah. And I love Petra Collins. I discovered her on Tumblr and we were mutuals. I'm, I'm so special because I know her. And, and that there's like a short film, like Natasha Leon um, is the star of the, of the campaign, like, like photography, like editorial campaign and there's a, a short film that's um, also directed by Petra Collins who is um, starred and the main character is Enya Womans or I'm gonna say her name wrong right. and, and she's Spanish so that well she's um, Puerto Rican I think um, and she's a very niche 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 micro celebrity in, in the US but her engagement is like incredible like she 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 has the the a cult following like she's a cult leader whatever she promotes whatever she wears whatever she says whatever jokes she she has there's like a a minion like an army of minions that will do exactly the same so hiring Enya to star on this campaign means that now in Lola is gonna be like huge not huge but huge in this cult following like the girls are gonna wanna buy this purse like every single girl that knows who Enya is is gonna wanna have this purse and that's a lot because there can be um, influencers who have a lot more following than Enya does or people like if I go to my friends and I ask them if they know who Enya is nobody's gonna know nobody's gonna know here who Enya is but in there's a niche um, group of people in, especially in the US, but I feel like here, uh, uh, very few people know her. But the ones that do are gonna copy like exactly what she does, what she wears, what, how she moves, how everything. So that's even more important than hiring someone who has like maybe five million followers or or more. Or she has a million. She's not doing that badly. She's no, no, no. She has a lot, but I'm. I don't know how to explain. She. She's not that known. Like maybe you could hire, I don't know, um, who's the biggest influencer, like Chiara Ferragni or someone who is more like of an OG influencer. But you're not going to buy everything Chiara has. You're just, she's like a celebrity. Like you are interested in her life and maybe you're just curious to see. But you're not going to want to buy every single thing she has. She has way too many things. But I there's this, like, what Bimbay Lola does perfectly is seeing which girls are, have this cult following of crazy girls <laughs> who want to be like them. Because, it, and, and I don't know, 
there's not a characteristic that I can say. These are the girls that have a cult following, and these are not. But the cool thing in 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 Bimbay's Bimbay Lola's PR team is that someone does, and someone has very studied very meticulously who are these girls, and they have done such a great job because now Bimbay Lola because now. No, let's go back in time now. Because what was Bimbay Lola? Bimbay Lola, when it first started, um, it was um, a brand that you would associate more with moms. And, I don't know, very posh girls um, in a kind of like lower end um, high brand. Like a Michael Kors thing. Like it's not cool like to have like it's like upper middle what upper middle class can afford but it's not like Louis Vuitton and stuff right. but at the same time it's like I wouldn't want to be associated with having a Michael Kors back or a Bimbay Lola back in that time um, because it's not cool it's just for semi-rich people and I wouldn't want to be like known to be like showing off like look I can afford this back but I don't know it, it was kind of tacky for some people but not tacky in a way that it's bad but I don't know and and then they somehow decided that they were going to go full a full-on a 180 yes <laughs> I know turning around yeah. <laughs> yes, because I was like if I say 360 it's gonna be on the same point so it's 180 okay um and and they de- decided to change the aesthetic they they got rid of the of the iconic logo which was like a, a greyhound and and they got rid of that which was actually quite cute but I they did it so well I'm not gonna criticize anything um and they started making collections that were like more statement pieces um bags that were very colorful um shoes that were very like it's been by Lola it's not another thing because you wouldn't see it any other any other place and at the same time and this was very clever of them they maintained the classic silhouettes the classic um not that out that much out there um collections and um, because you're not going to want to lose all your um, or like uh, or your clients, or oh, your yeah, clients, yeah. yeah, exactly. And and this rebranding was more to to the like a social media rebranding, apart from collections. But you go and in store, and if you wanted like a a normal black purse, you could find it. But if you go to their Instagram, you think this is a a very young um, brand. So it's uh, and it works because. Your mom is not gonna see the the Bimba Lola Instagram, but she's gonna go on store and still buy it and see yeah. not that much of a difference. But you're gonna see the Instagram and you're gonna see who is given uh, who is wearing these these purses and who are they posting about it. And it's gonna be people your age, so it's a win win for everyone, especially for Bimba <laughs> Lola. And what they did, which was so clever, because you can have cool things in your store and. I'm not going to go there if I don't like your store to begin with it, even if you did a change of aesthetic. And they gifted um, part, like the coolest pieces of their newest collections to all these cool girls. Like, And I'm talking, like I said, like niche influencers that have the more engagement than bigger influencers. Um, like Goro Goro, who is like a stylist... Um, here in Spain and, and she is very cool and she has like it's like an attitude I feel like a cool attitude like I'm not an influencer I'm just a stylist but actually she is an influencer I want to buy what she wears um, 
and even other girls who I cannot name, but I know if they have it, I want it. And and that's what why they're so clever. And the first hit they have, and which consil- consolidated that they made it, they made their vision, is it was like two seasons ago or maybe last season, uh, the, on summer, everyone wanted or everyone had a pair of sandals, uh, orange sandals that were like a chunky platform and that looked like um, the sandals that Lizzie McGuire, the cartoon version of Lizzie McGuire had. Um, and everyone, every cool girl had these sandals. And it's like a, a tribe. If you had it, if you saw someone on the street that had them, it was like, we recognize <laughs> each other. We know what we know. I like, like you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exa- it's like... We know which, what that means. We know what having this pair of sandals means. And maybe 90% of the rest of the people on the street are not going to even look at your sandals, but this cool girl <laughs> is going to look at them and she's going to know you're being bilolized. Yeah. And with star- something that started as a joke because it was a cringy hashtag to have, like, I'm being bilolized. And then a lot of people... Um, online started saying like on Twitter I want to be being bilolized like in a in a gentle way which means like jokingly uh, like ah, I want to be being bilolized which is so cringy but at the same time it's not a joke but it is a joke <laughs> but it's not a joke and then that's how you made it like if people are making jokes about your yeah. brand and talking about it, it you're so clever people <sighs> on Twitter like are making free promotion of this and, and we are all commenting on how obsessed we want to be to be part of the squad that gets this PR. But isn't the problem being that that can turn very, very, very quickly? Like, if you're um, you're enjoying that that kind of promotion, that kind of people are making jokes of it, like, which is all very good, but that can, like, just turn, like, within within a day, surely. Yeah. Like, it become, because you go from beca- people making knowing jokes about you mm-hmm. to people just making jokes about you. Yeah, that could be the case that could have been the case or or maybe as soon as the sandals fever died yeah. out and um, maybe you don't manage to like it's a one hit wonder and then people forget about you and and it could have been the case and i worried it was because once i started seeing the sandals way too much it was like oh they're done yeah like, yeah, yeah on to the next thing but now they've they've hired Petra Collins and I'm like oh my god it, they're not gonna stop like I'm gonna wanna want like specific pieces from Bimba Lola that I wa- I know are gonna die out in a few months but I'm gonna obsess so much over it I know like n- right now I'm so obsessed with two of the bags they have like uh, there's a part of me that is like Am I gonna spend two hundred euros on a bag that I'm gonna hate maybe in three months? Maybe because I'm so obsessed. Like I, I, I need, I need, I need it. I don't know. I'm, I have like it's the real pandemic. Like being, being like wanting to be being bilolized. Yeah, so forget bad. COVID. It's, this is this is the real pandemic with girls in Barcelona. Like we need help. This is affecting us way too much. You cannot make a marketing that's so good that makes <laughs> girls go insane I'm literally going insane I'm literally making a section about the brand because I'm, I'm going like nuts over this bag like I don't know how to stress it enough and the fact that they hired um, Petra Collins Enya Natasha Leon, it means that they want to make this pandemic worldwide 
Like, it's yeah, going to yeah, happen yeah. in the US. Like, girls, I'm going to warn the girls in the US, you're going to get the bimba lola fever. And, and I'm so sorry because there's nothing that can cure it. Just you're knowing that you're being affected by it because... Enya is our Gorogoro and is our other girls that we've seen have all the cool things we wanted. So it's going to happen. There's no stopping it. I'm so sorry. Um, there, yeah, you're doomed. You haven't specified, I don't think. Like, mm. what would you wear for your Halloween costume? Yeah, I would wear the orange sandals yeah. because it, it's the first statement piece. Um, and then maybe a scarf. I have a scarf. I've fallen into the bimbi lola. I, I am already bimbi lolaized, but I want to be more bimbi lolaized. I have a scarf that says bimbi lola and then maybe um, a purse that I don't have, but maybe I would write in a tacky way, like there's like uh, a circle yeah, yeah. that is now recognizable as the bimbi lola thing and I would put maybe this circle even if it's cut in paper, but if it's a tacky like um, costume, it doesn't matter if it doesn't look perfect, but you're going to recognize me as a Bimba Lola girl. And that's horrible, And but I, I cannot stop it. And the thing is, and I wanted to talk about this for these two reasons, because this campaign is so good, um, but also because this is not the only brand that is like F-boomers we're going to want to appeal to Gen Z, which is so risky because Bimba Lola hasn't done this like one day from, like, they woke up one day and decided to change this. It's been going on for at least three years and now, like, it's finally matured, the product in in which they see the results, but it's something that you have to work on. And at first, when I saw, like, they got rid of the logo and they started making collections very apparent appealing to Gen Z, I was like, that's so cringy, you're not gonna appeal to Gen Z. Gen Z... (laughs) It's poor. We don't have the money to like buy your silly purses and and amazing scarves. Um, you're making a huge mistake. Just appeal to boomers. They have the money and and we don't. So just stick to what you know. And that's it. But I was so mistaken. Apparently, we can be desperate enough to <laughs> save to buy your stupid purses. Um, and this is not the the only brand that's doing it. I I think Bimba Lola copied kind of. Um, uh, Swarovski strategy they did like a few years back too in which they Swarovski what's Swarovski to me it's like a, a weird jewelry li- not line but um, brand that's for grandmas per- <laughs> even older than my mom it's not like for my parents it's even older like who wears Swarovski it's like a crystal that's very shiny who wants that and then they decided one day from another I don't think it happened that way but it seemed to me because I I was not at all in contact with that brand because it escaped my radar completely. And they decided to have Bella Hadid be the face of their campaign and have like their their jewelry be like candy-like, very over the top, very camp, very huge, very... Yeah, it looks like candy. But at the same time, they've seen that it works like uh, jewelry now for young people is like cartoonish, very chunky rings, um, all very, very colorful. And Swarovski can do that all the way because it's kind of what they've been doing, but they've been targeting grandmas. And <laughs> if you target Gen Z and make it even more over the top and exaggerated, then it's young and it's not for grandmas. Even though I think grandmas would love that too. Like if they yeah. go to a store and they don't know it's targeted for young people, they would be like, that's an amazing ring. Um, 
And it worked, and everyone went crazy over the Swarovski rings. I'm still dreaming, dreaming of them, but I don't have the the money to to buy a two hundred dollar euro whatever ring. Um, and Tiffany's did that too, and they hired um, Ruba, who is like the creative mind behind the new Tiffany's, and and she, um, well, he them I. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna say them. Um, they are like an amazing creative person, and and they managed to change the the aesthetic of Tiffany. We like the whole thing about these brands is they're not like completely erasing that they've been a brand of reference for more mature audiences. They are maintaining that it's like no, Tiffany's not gonna be like forget breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> we're new now. We're young. Like of course we're breakfast at Tiffany's. We're going to appeal to every mom ever. But we're also not your mom's Tiffany, which was the slogan of the campaign. And and <laughs> it it couldn't be. That's what it was called. Not your mom's Tiffany. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is <laughs> like, so it couldn't be more like literal. Like we're not your mom's Tiffany. We have other Tiffany for you like we have Gen Z Tiffany and it could like all of this if you explained it to me like three years ago or two years or one year ago I don't know when all these campaigns started um, I would be like that's the worst idea like <laughs> I, I could not tell you how bad of an idea it is like just don't try too hard to appeal to Gen Z because it's not gonna work well it is working <laughs> I am not correct and it does work and Pandora also like to me, that was kind of a failed attempt, but a good idea. Um, they hired um, Addison Ray and Charlie XCX, which are the the two Gen Z icons, like the Gen Z that I like. I'm, I'm not going to say everyone knows, but I'm going to make one day an Addison Ray special to talk about her and how important she is and what her change of aesthetic means as a cultural impact too. Because what, what she's doing is insane, and I hope... Um, we see more and more and more of them, of her, and I'm sure we will. And the latest thing, and what I was trying to go to, is that now those, which um, is like the Spanish version of Tiffany's or or Pandora, maybe, um, the, it's very, 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 very related to upper middle class um, moms and from like maybe a conservative background and stuff. Like they're the next Spanish brand to try to do that, like to try to do the Bimbay Lola thing, because if Bimbay Lola could go from conservative to um, Gen Z, that mm, like outsider Gen Z, I'm not like others. Um, I'm I live in Al Raval and I have a studio with my friends and blah blah blah, which is the the kids from the conservative parents basically. <laughs> um, they they are trying to do that and. I'm used to seeing like, to me, I'm not I'm not gonna be like I know so many things, but to me it's not new because I've been aware of Swarovski, Tiffany, and Pandora, and been by Lola. But in the Spanish like mm, thing, like in in Spain, it's it hasn't been that done. It, it by Lola are the only ones that have done it and have been successful at it. So now I think those doing it. It's gonna work. Like if you remember, we had a toe stage. Like it was the exactly. first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first. Like trying to put like their little paw into the Gen Z kind of younger audience. Like oh, we have a stage at this festival in this city, at this festival called Primavera Sound. <laughs> um. So we're gonna appeal more, and and all of us were a bit confused because we would 
uh, when Primavera was happening, the rebranding was already happening for those, but not that much. And we were confused, like, what is going to be on the toe stage? Like, <laughs> what does it mean at toe stage? It doesn't make sense at all, like, this brand having a stage. And now they're building, the, the they're starting, not starting, but continuing to put on this idea and, and it will make sense. And it made sense in that day to, like, to have a stage. But it's just a slow process. It cannot be one day from another. And they started like slowly. And, and for example, they had Aitana be the face of a campaign. I don't think that's the greatest move because it's not the gentry that they... I, I think they're trying to appeal another gentry, not the Aitana gentry, but she looked incredible. Um, and... And uh, yeah, I think it's going to work because it's not that played out yet. And once it works for those and it has worked for, for Bim by Lola, um, a lot of other brands are going to try and do it and they're going to fail. That's my pro- that's what I'm seeing for the future. The toe stage in the end was pretty dope, wasn't it? That was why we it saw was one of the yeah. best stages. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they, they had the best stage um, and they're going to have the greatest campaigns and we're going to want to have the 200 euros um, nail uh, rings uh, that everyone will have. I can see it in the future. And that's it. And if you're thinking, was this a paid section? <laughs> because I've been saying brands for like 20 minutes. Um, no, it's not. It's, it's it's just me trying my best. The only like attempt that I can have at being, being bilolized is talking about how incredible they're doing in in the radio. So please, being bilola, please, I'm begging to be a being bilolized girl. I need there, there's one bag that looks like an estalada, you know, like the yeah, yeah. the the flag of Catalonia, and I need that bag like I don't know how to express how well that bag would fit me I can take pictures I have almost zero followers which makes me the most micro 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 niche influencer <laughs> you have so please 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 let me be a bimbailolized girl and I will rock your estalada bag everywhere oh man should we have some music please la Rosalia caso se ganas cuparse millonaria Si ploguessin sant els bitllets pels aires Un dia per Mumbai el següent a Malta Sempre ben escoltada, prova de bala El que voldria és tenir un belli de color blanc i un de color verd Però tot això sé que no puc fer fins al dia que tingui molts diners El que voldria és tenir Només vull veure bitllets de cent Fucking money, man Només vull veure bitllets de cent Fucking money, man Signal el dòlar dintre la ment Díselo, Rossi Que jo sé que no és culpa ser milionària Que em tanquin el Louvre així com el Magba Fucking money, la mixta Cada dia celebrant el meu cumpleanys I dos jopes corrent pel jardí de casa El que voldria és tenir Fucking money, man Només vull veure bitllets de cent Lovely Rosalia, it's good to be back and come. I just saw a, a beautiful ad on a bus, like uh, the Museo de Cera Wax Museum, with uh, and one of the images that they use to promote this museum is Rosalia. I don't. You're no one anywhere in the world if you don't have a wax museum of the statue of yourself, really? No? 
Is yeah. any good the Barcelona Wax Museum? I've never been. I've never been. It's very scary, like every <laughs> wax <laughs> museum ever. But yeah, I, I remember being traumatized by it when I was very young. Oh, I've brilliant. Never... I'm definitely taking the kids. Yeah, please. <laughs> That's it's, it's your duty as a parent to traumatize your kid with the wax museum. Because Madame Tussauds was quite prestigious. Like, it's if you go yeah. to London with kids, you were kind of a blind. I, I don't think I ever. No, my parents didn't take me, but. It was like, it was always on the list, like, oh, we should go to Madame Tussauds. You know, it's like, it. my mother made it sound it's so regal, like, oh, it's like going to Harrods <laughs> yeah. or to Fortnum and Mason, all these like, they're just shops, you know, like, they're, they're like a corting list. <laughs> but in the case of Madame Tussauds, I guess they, they, there must be some nice artisanship going on there. Like, it, I do respect wax museum, wax artists. You know how you do get wax museums that aren't very good and like, they don't look anything like Madame Tussauds. To be fair, they do look pretty much like, and if I remember rightly, when we went, when I was very, very young, there was like, they had this wax work of some bloke just like leaning over the balcony. Like just like an ordinary person, and my dad was like, oh, "Go and ask him the time." I was like, "No, what? When is he like? Oh, go and ask him the time." And so I did. Like basically went and asked the time off for of waxwork. Oh, because you actually did believe it was a real human. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I think until I got quite close. I don't remember how it, how it, how it played out exactly, but that's <laughs> my family life. Ben, you are reaching the status where you might have a wax museum made of you in the Museum <laughs> of in Music the Critics. Of <laughs> the, 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 the Chamber of Horrors, you know, for all the artists to go and, and point at them. And it's like, look, kids, this is the person who made me feel very rotten once when I released an album. You've been a bit in a bit of hot water this week because you reviewed uh, our album of the week, Fred Again's... Um, Number three, what's it? Actual, uh, Life, actual three. Life Three? Yeah. <laughs> actual Life Three, and you've also reviewed it for the prestigious music website Pitchfork, for which you are a habitual collaborator. Collaborator. Um, now, I'm going to read some of your own words because I know that <laughs> it's embarrassing for you to read your own work uh, on on your own radio show. So I'm going to do it for you. Okay. Things that I think that might have landed you in a little bit of hot water <laughs> oh, uh, with Fred Again fans. Uh, it often feels like Fred Again is pulling away from the big reveal. Chafe. Chafing? Chafing. Chafing at the idea of giving too much away. There's no essence revealed here. You hope that recording Actual Life 3 was cathartic for him, but for the listener, it feels slightly indulgent, with the troublesome hint of a memory card full of vacation photos. You are a fantastic writer, Ben Cardew. You're Thank so you. visual. And I'm going to read the other one <laughs> that, I, that I highlighted. Music that focuses on reality tends to work best. This is because Fred again, uh, if you didn't know, dear listener, Fred again uses his own life experiences to channel into a song. They're not lyrics. Sometimes they're audio recordings, uh, yeah. voice notes. No, no. Just Instagram clips, his Instagram songs, clips. that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so Ben said this about that. Music that focuses on reality tends to work best when it is doggedly cinematic or highly relatable. Actual Life 3 is neither. Instead, frequently slipping into mundanity. Real life is all well and good, but most people get enough of it from just living. You got that off your chest, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, want, do you want to know what somebody, some random person on the internet said? Real life is all well and good, but most people get enough of it from just living. I'm sure yours is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, give, me, give us more. What, what else have you got there from me? Because this is all from Twitter, right? Uh, Twitter and Instagram. And, Insta oh. and Instagram. People literally. Oh. Do you want to like so? People literally sort of search you out. What's uh, harsher? Twi Twitter is usually harsher, no? Like the feedback from. Yeah, but Instagram feels more personal. If you see what I mean, <gasps> because like on Instagram, you actually have to send me a message yeah. or like go into like something yeah. I've done. Yeah. You know, it's really like, weird to to go there and send a message. To be honest, I think the whole thing is quite weird. It's like, but Ma, yeah, just the other day, I 
last week I insulted one of your favourite songs, did I? <laughs> yeah. And did you think I am shocked to my core, or did you think you're a dick? Um. I mean, like, no. <laughs> what, what would it have taken for you to, to, to sort of? You didn't. You didn't get on my Twitter and be like. No, because what? I could say it to your face. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Twitter is like I. It's so easy to go there. I'm not encouraging bullying or being mean, but I understand. Like it's so easy if you see, if you're really moved by an album or it's your favorite musician to go there and defend it because it's so easy to go and write you're wrong, and that's it. Uh, but Instagram it takes a bit more effort and it's a bit more like scary to yeah. go there and. And look for it. I found your Fred Again review extremely pretentious, as, no, as well as not being discordant in the slightest. Just another run-of-the-mill, out-of-touch pitchfork contributor ribbing an artist simply because they have become popular. I hope bad music plagues your ears for the rest of the year. Also, what I really liked about that comment was this person was so, is such a big fan of Fred Again. They actually wrote it correctly, Fred Again, with three dots after. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, you know. Like, that, that, this is a crafted message. Can I just say, I actually, I quite like Fred Again. I do. I, yeah. know you, I know you do, but I know that you also expose your ears to some of the highest quality and very sophisticated, like deep cut, like electronic music on your uh, on your incredible podcast, Line Noise. So I know that your ears are perfect to review a Fred again. This is me coming out in defense of Ben, right? To, to <laughs> you know, because I Thanks, think Johan. you you have the authority <laughs> because you get you listen to some stuff that I can't. I don't have the patience for like 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 really really underground. Eastern European block techno, um, you, I don't know, like uh, experimental electronics and stuff. I love my experimental electronica, but just I skim the surface. You really go in depth for your job. So I, I respect your opinion. I love Fred again as well. I think I love that he's a crowd pleaser. Like I've, I love, I'm in that age where I like artists that just give me the easy saccharine, you know, because sometimes it's good to just get your fix. But I, from, from what I've seen, Especially this whole thing where Fred again is being very clever of using his uh, his Instagram persona, like his his live shows. He always films or he gets videos from fans sh uh, filming people making making out to Maria or making out or hugging each other during his concerts. So it's become his thing. Fred again puts brings people together, strangers kissing consentedly in in his shows, and it's become a little bit cursi. Uh, what's the English cheesy. word for cheesy? So. It's it's becoming a bit too cheesy f for for being like appreciated by the cool kids, no? In a way, like, and I can see how a lot of people are 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 getting into Fred again because of the cheesiness, mm -hmm. right? Because they are cheesy or chuggy. I I can't <laughs> let chuggy go away. Chuggy just sums it up perfectly. Fred again, the the whole Fred again thing is a little bit chuggy. Like, if I took my girlfriend to a Fred again show, and all of a sudden, if he starts playing uh, "Your Loving Arms Around Me," mm -hmm. "Your Loving Arms." And all of a sudden, I start like hugging her and filming us. Wouldn't that be the bachugiest thing? Like, wouldn't you cringe if you were behind us and like, oh god, another couple like, or or, or people who propose? Didn't mm. they do they, that? They did that at yeah. Primavera Sound. I believe so. I didn't see someone it. proposed on. That's on what Fred I heard. Again. That's what I heard. I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, at Primavera Sound. I don't know if it was weekend one or weekend two. I think even both weekends there were propositions. I don't know, but oh definitely one. No, I think what they did was they wrote to him. Please, Fred, I'm going to propose to my girlfriend or to my boyfriend. I can't remember which. Uh, could you please uh, make mention it before playing uh, one of his songs, maybe Loving Arms? And he did. And he oh did. He God. actually said, there's someone in the audience. 
Or I might be mixing it with some other performance uh, from what I saw on Instagram. My mind is is is, is playing tricks on me. No, but I I heard that. I heard that. I didn't see it. Like somebody proposed. Oh, I definitely know that someone proposed that Primavera sound, and and the other person said yes, and it was during Fred again. Whether he was in it, I can't remember if it was at Primavera or no. Uh, sorry for my half-assed uh, research. Can I just say, just don't don't propose to people in public. <laughs> Just it's don't. so chuggy. It's not even chuggy. No, that's just plain old cheesy. I just hate it. No, I, I hate being a hater. It, it, no, it's worse than that. It's, it's like it it's puts the other person in a really awkward position. And isn't it a red flag? Mar, you're good at this. Is it like I don't the, think it's a red flag, but it is kind of cringy. Like proposals in general. It's like, oh my god, I'm I'm I feel I'm I, I'm nervous, like inside, just looking at it, like, oh my god, don't do that! No, don't especially get on if your it's knee, for no. the gram or for TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Like, I saw a real, a really elaborate one, and I think, I think from the language, I think it was from some Eastern European country. I hate to be so generic, but it, it, um, it might have been Russia. And this guy had gotten all his friends to pull him over. They were all dressed in police uniforms, like the ones that go with um, with uh, antibalas, what do you call it? A bulletproof vest kind of thing. Uh, they looked like real cops. I don't know if they were real cops that are friends of his or they just like got really fancy <laughs> costumes. They pulled them over, put brought the girl, the woman out and put her against the, the bonnet of the car and brought, put the guy out and they took out a bag uh, from his car. He's like, is this bag yours? You know, from the subtitles. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they took out like what looked like a brick of mm, a white powder mm, illegal substance. And they're like, what is this? And they start like ripping it open. And all of a sudden, they pull out a ring and the guy's like, ah, and the girl, obviously, like she lost her shit. She was like, oh my God. Super what happy. The hell? No, they were a bit... she, that's like trauma inducing, no? Like he looks your... like the kind of guy who might. And again, I hate for profiling, but he looks like the like the people that I recognize as being like the guys who uh, live on the edges of uh, society, shall we say? Ah, uh, I'm such a prick. Um, okay. I, basically, I'm just looking on, on Reddit. Uh, and apparently, somebody, <laughs> somebody did propose at Fred again. Fred again, the proposal truly had me in tears. So it's it's becoming a thing like throwing uh, soup at uh, expensive uh, artwork now to like uh, condemn oil. You know how it's becoming a thing now. Like every weekend, someone goes to a museum to launch uh, a, a can of soup or some potato puree at a Monet or a Degas or a Van Gogh. Uh, it's almost like okay it, now it's an obvious thing cool because the activists are raising a lot of no um, making a lot of noise in the media about um oil drilling and and climate change so i i can't be against it the paintings are protected nothing's happening to the actual artwork in itself you know you're just disturbing a lot of like bourgeoisie people who are like oh what are you doing why are you so stupid you know, it's like dude they're trying to be activists <laughs> but i don't know um, so it's becoming like too obvious now. If I go to see Fred again and I see like three people proposing, it's like, dudes, don't marry this person. Well, the other it's problem is obvious. like once you've said yes to one, like how do you say not say yes to all the rest? Yeah. Well, apparently, who was telling us that? Oh, no, 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 this is alleged stuff. Remember our friend Roxy was saying that he was a little bit mean to his support DJs. No, but this is unfounded. This is not, sorry, sorry, and I didn't mention right. who told us this. Yeah, well, I, it was a pseudonym. Yeah. Can I just say, right, why I felt that I could give Fred again a bad mark, or one of the reasons. Are we gonna reveal that? Yeah. What 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 score did you give it? I'm gonna tell 5. you. Five point nine. Five point nine. Not even a six to like <laughs> yeah, be on yeah, the, the right side of five. Is... Because right. Um, okay. There's lots of music I don't like. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Uh, like red hot chili peppers. Okay, I don't like. I've never liked them. You don't Plas- like placebo, and, and all right, I, I, yeah, placebo. There's a good example. I don't like placebo, right? I don't. I haven't liked their classic hits. I haven't liked anything. There's no point in me reviewing a placebo album because it could be the greatest placebo thing that ever made. I wouldn't like it. No point. So I wouldn't. Fred again. I do like some of his stuff, and I mean, Maria is a really good song, and Maria yeah. really captured a moment, and I think he is not reaching those standards so that's why i feel like i can give it kind of a uh, uh, negative review and yeah who the hell am i i'm absolutely no one he's rich and famous and good looking and having yeah. this, this thing so like well why do you get but like in my opinion he isn't doing as well as he could and yeah. i think that's the thing and it's also like it's house music i love house music mm. right i love kind of poppy house music i love that kind of things that appeal to lots of people as well and i just don't think it, it's 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 working and i think that song really was very clever because it kind of like it really touched a lot of people in a very specific way whereas a lot of the stuff he's doing here now is all like you know i, I said something like about this in the review which is another line i think they might have cut it um it talking about like some of the song titles better with time all that i got is you and the night is dark it's like come on yeah. those are like three out of ten song titles you know what i mean it's like a hallmark yeah uh, i I agree, I guess, with you because I don't have musical like expertise. That's and I... at Marvy on Twitter, friend. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I must say, like, I think while like all the statements you just said are true, like it's kind of basic. Like, be like we could make like a computer made Fred again song, and it maybe sound the same as he did. Like, but we needed someone to like fu- fulfill this role that has been like empty for a few years like we said it like it's kind of is the new Avicii but we needed a new Avicii like there mm. there wasn't for a few years and yeah he's uh, a post-pandemic uh, Calvin Harris Calvin Harris like Calvin Harris had his moment Avicii is no longer with us so um so he's the new DJ that everyone knows even if you're not into this kind of music that much because mm. I and my friends who are not into like house music or techno, how how would you describe Fred against music? Like, uh, club, yeah, club, club, club music. Club yeah. Some of it is techno. Even there's a track on here which is I can't remember the name of the track. It's like it's it's techno. Like people who are not into that know Fred again. So we always need like a person in, not not in each genre, but in a lot of the genres that it's mainstream enough to make it so that people who are not into that specific genres know them and i think fred is like a great um person for that because he makes like this kind of music easy enough for people who are not into it that much to enjoy it mm. and and maybe that's easy to do but maybe it's not that easy because no one had ful- fulfilled that role for a long time yeah and he has the charisma the understanding like it's more than music it's more it's what about like all right what about honey dijon right who yeah. uh is but she's great in the genre, but she's too great to be mainstream. You know yeah. what I mean? No, she's too great. Just say it. She's too black to be in the mainstream. No, no, not in that way. Like Fred again could be black perfectly, but like you cannot be. <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you cannot be too too good to be mainstream. You can find him on Instagram. No, but like I, like mainstream's great. But I just don't think he does it very well. Like being mainstream doesn't have to mean. Being bland, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it usually but does. sometimes it does. Exactly. Honey Dijon couldn't be mainstream because it's 
she has too much to offer. And sometimes people are overwhelmed by too much. So it has to be a balance between, and I'm not saying bland, but I'm saying digestible. And and Fred Against Music is very digestible. There's there's another thing that kind of irks me. I'm on the fence with this, but the fact that it seems so easy for him to pull out a song, like he's always traveling with his little sample pad and stuff. So he's got all these incredible ideas of, oh, if I take this sample from a 070 Shake song, uh, that, that oh, and I put this in a melody and it's very instantaneous. The instantaneity of it makes it feel like, it's like, what do you prefer? Pot noodle ramen or going to some incredible like old guy, who, Japanese guy who makes ramen from like, like he's been making the broth for 30 years he hasn't switched off the fire and it's like maybe you give him give someone a blind test and you might not take of course you'll tell the difference but imagine you couldn't tell the difference because instant pot noodle have refined their technology so much that any that they can make it taste just as good as the you know the the artisan stuff um that well there's a core thing in me that's like yeah but i'd rather go for the thing that took a lot more sacrifice to make so with Fred again I get this situation I remember reading about how Daft Punk they will record with three different microphones you will never tell the difference but they knew that these expensive microphones from the 70s that Stevie Wonder sang on or whatever you know they knew that they were they, they went to the trouble of putting it into the record whereas Fred again with his laptop and his little sample thing he's able to conjure up these incredible albums that uh, these 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 very digestible albums and there's a part of me that's like Oh, mm, eh, so what actual life for is just going to be made with like his iPhone and uh, and yeah it'll have earworms but uh, will it be as timeless will it uh, no I don't know it's it, I just have this internal dialogue with me well there. I just think he's honestly I think he's making too much music and he's not putting enough effort into every song I'm sorry but uh, like yeah, but today's market, I mean, it's not like people sell records. So, oh, since we're going to sell so many copies, let's go the expensive route and hire the best studios. It's like, look, all you want to do is keep touring, keep your name out there. No, it's like the the market decides the amount of effort you put into the product. Yeah, you can't let the market decide the amount of effort you put into a product. That, that's like, the sad part because no, then artisanship is lost. Yeah, but like with him, maybe, maybe not. Like maybe not with other people. I'm sure other people spend actually ages, like like putting putting together a product. You, you know what I'm putting together a house music song. It doesn't have to be the way he's put. This is his third album yeah. in eighteen months. And in at eighteen the same months, time he's been doing a run of extra additional singles. So he's demonstrated he's like a he's like a factory floor. He can just like churn, chur, churreria, we say in Spanish. Churros are those uh, lovely uh, dough, uh, fried dough um, pastries, right? Uh, the, and, and it's an expression in Spanish. When you're a fabrica de churros, it's that you've, you've figured out so, uh, a means of production to make something just come out with the least amount of effort. Everyone loves churros. They're fat and greasy and like they'll give you a heart attack if you have them every day. Uh, but uh, the, everyone loves them. Yeah, Fred again is a little bit churreria, fritanga. So, Mark, I want to ask you a question. I guess. You being Gen, Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Like, why are people so offended by a bad review of an artist that isn't them? Because, well, it's like I, I said something bad about the Beach Boys or something like that. It's like, if you're... Real... Excuse me. <laughs> you, when when, when you... would you say something bad about the Beach Boys? Exactly. Like, it's like, how could you not connect with something that I connected that much? Like, I I, I, I would maybe would say something if, if you said something really bad about um, someone I think it's untouchable. Like, I don't know. I don't know who I would but go like, to we war all, with. We all have things we don't like. 
and that's a matter of taste and everyone like it there is not a single person in the world who's like i love every bit of music equally so when you're out you're talking to your friends you're probably going to be like i love that fred again song i don't like that honey dijon song to mm-hmm. give an example mm-hmm. right because that's what everyone does because you like some things more than, but, but like and, and it's like well i must say like um yeah opinions everyone has them um and everyone's gonna go to war for them at the same time but especially if it's on pitchfork because it's become like a kind of a meme on twitter (laughs) to go back and see like what did they rate um charlie xcx pop 2 album um and seeing how maybe it wasn't understand at that time and now it's been reviewed as as a great um uh, pop album ahead of their its time and blah 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 blah. so it's kind of become like at the same time when people make jokes about it or people um have a this like reference um that you go back to it means that you have enough cultural impact to to be thought of that like there's a lot of other places where there's critiques and there's rating of albums but the one that you go back to or that you Reference is Pitchfork, so yeah. But and here's the thing: right? you could say you could say what you like about the Beach Boys. <laughs> You're the only part that you listen to. No, but you could, like, and I'd be like, well, all right, well, like I, I know the Beach Boys are very good at what they do, mm-hmm. um, and, and they sold enough records. And I know I'm not <laughs> wrong in liking them. And I'm not saying you're wrong either, because it's like, well, that's just an opinion. Like, I don't, I don't feel like in any way threatened. It's like, all right, fair enough. Like but it is true when you see a movie that you really liked and you tell someone about it, and it's like, oh, I thought they tell you they thought it was shit. Something inside of you like turns. It's like, and you have this impulse to like, but didn't you? Didn't you get excited like I did when there was that moment? And that's the weirdest thing. Like, I remember watching. I think it was Arrival. Yeah, uh, that thing where the aliens arrive there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Denis Villeneuve. I went to watch it with my wife, and I loved it. And I remember, like, the the kind of we sat there in in, in the dark, and that kind of thing goes on. And I sat there like, oh my god, Johan Johansson's best score. film I have seen in ages. I absolutely loved it. And my wife was like, I didn't really like that very much. I was like, whoa. And she was literally just, like, sat next to me. I was like, How is that possible? <laughs> you know, it was heartbreaking when I when you'd make when we were young. Ben and you'd make a mixtape for the girl you liked in class <laughs> and I remember putting all these cure the cure ballads and stuff and like uh, f- uh, film score music and she just did not like any of it she's like what a boring tape this is horrible this music <laughs> she was not the right girl for you <laughs> and, and it's did like did you my, ever my, get together uh, uh, no but she is still one of my best friends uh, <laughs> I love you a lot Claire um, but uh, but but I remember she just did not like yeah so it, that was very heart crushing and yeah it was little incel me um, but <laughs> but speaking of the authority of Pitchfork they 20 years ago well no, no what you were saying Mar now they've all realized that they were very harsh on on pop albums especially pop albums made by female singers so now they're trying to backtrack and re-review stuff and give them like through today's gaze give them the critical uh, um, reviewing that they deserved rather than the sort of like oh we're going to review this just to like attack the mainstream um but they're doing some they've done something that really pissed me off which is 20 years ago they they said that the best album of uh 2002 no 2000 hang on two, yeah it can't be 2002 it didn't come out in 2002 yes it did well whatever whenever it came out what year are we in 2022 yes 20 years ago 
Well, for some reason, I don't know, I did a 20-year special, and for some reason, Interpol's Turn on the Bright Lights was the album of the year for Pitchfork, and now they erased the review because they're they're kind of backtracking. They've been backtracking on this opinion on on Turn on the Bright Lights for a while now. I don't know why. And uh, and this and the reason I say this is because Ben and I watched uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom, oh. the documentary uh, about the New York scene, the New New York rock and roll scene that was kickstarted with uh, the Strokes in just before two thousand and one. Uh, yeah, in two thousand, no, that's, no, that when when they started becoming a band was in the two thousands or something. That's when they released their first uh, EPs the, the, on Rough the, Trade. Yeah, their first album was two thousand, basically September two thousand and one, because it, it it was just. It, it was, was released just after the World, Trade Center, after World yeah. Trade Center's uh, the, two, the, the 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 September 11 attacks. Uh, so the documentary is a very good uh, document of what happened to New York through the music scene because a lot of things happened. Napster was becoming a powerful thing where people were being able to share music freely. So people were stopped stopped paying for music, but more people were going to shows of these unknown bands because of this Napster culture. Obviously, the September 11 attacks, the the whole that it set the tone for New York. Everyone was really sad and depressed, and all of a sudden, uh, people were. Well, kind of like the pandemic. It's like, what am I doing with my life? You know, I, it could be over in a minute. I could have been on the in the towers. So all of a sudden, people were like quitting jobs to form bands because it's like, you know, I might as well. Also, New York was a lot cheaper to live in. They they speak about gentrification in the book. In Lizzie Goodman's book, she really does. Even though it's an oral history, it's all told through the the bands themselves. All the bands that that formed in in the in the decade of the in the first decade of the 2000s uh after, in the wake of the strokes all of the bands said it was because of the strokes we saw the strokes it's like these guys are so cool i can do something almost as good as that uh so but the documentary we watched focuses mainly on the strokes on the yeah yeah yes on interpol and lcd sound system and a little bit on the rapture because of their story yeah. with dfa records which is I felt a little bit shortchanged because the book covers the Walkman, the National, I don't know, just every, so many bands. It covers the Misshapes, who weren't a band. They were these three young kids. You never, what, you didn't hear about the Misshapes, Mar? You would love the Misshapes. They were three, like Lee Lizrak, Gordon McNichol, and Jackson, I think his surname was Brown. It was three, like, they were basically teenagers, and they took up this shitty little bar in the downtown, and they started DJing. Indie, indie music and, and electro clash and, and a little bit of like Madonna and like just what's kind of normal now, like like that kind of iPod shuffle kind of playlist before the millennials became the thing of, oh, yeah, I listen to everything. I listen to Britney Spears and I listen to Joy Division. They were already doing it. So it covers the misshapes as well because they became very trendy. Even Madonna went and like this is like a shitty little bar in Raval. Like this isn't like a club or anything. This was just a, a crappy bar with a little DJ booth. They were DJing with like iPods and with uh, laptops. It was it wasn't even like the Beatrice, which you know Chloe Sevigny's brother mm-hmm. ran and stuff. It wasn't even that. It was even smaller apparently. Uh, so the book covers that. It covers like what bars were cool, where all these musicians were hanging out in and stuff. But None of this is reflected in the documentary, but sadly. It's a massive book, though, isn't it? And I think you have to pare things down for documentary. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was really, really good. And uh, I, just, I thought it did, because it was like an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. Yeah, it was quite long, it. though. It, it felt a bit long. But I, I was just so happy. I really enjoyed it. It was just sort of pure, pure fun watching the whole kind of thing. And I think they had to focus on one kind of strand. It was a yeah. shame all the stuff they missed out because the book is really rich and all that kind of thing. But it just had to be done, I think. It, 
I think the book could have been turned into a four-part series, documentary series a on 10, HBO. 10, 11, 10, 12 11. series. I, I mean, I yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe the subject matter, but because it covers like the gentrification, uh, the economic uh, the cri- the economic crisis it, like, like lots of things that affect society like you can really sort of create a very good context to speak about all the things that were happening while all these kids were like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna go and play in a band I'm gonna travel to London I'm gonna tra- oh, damn it I didn't expect it I'm gonna travel the world I'm gonna play all these festivals nothing is mentioned about the, the rise of the festivals all over the world and the economy and all that stuff the, the, around the festivals including us um, but uh, but still it's beautiful because it focuses on what it was like to be young in New York around that time uh, and, and, and it captured three bands that really captured lightning in a jar you could say and curiously three of those bands Three of the bands played Primavera this year, and and there was that context. It felt like a return to form from the Yeah because they've been away for a while. So it's like double sweet to watch her victory lap, Carino and the Yeah victory lap. Strokes getting on with it as usual. Like they're a powerhouse that just they will they can't stop being headliners. And Interpol have surprised everyone by being the ones who have survived the longest against many odds. It's like damn it, you guys are still very relevant you have a you're more of a cult band because it's more about your fans whereas strokes is like fred again uh, ev- even if you're not into rock and roll you, a lot of mm. people like the strokes and yeah yeah is, is somewhere in between where they're just like such a powerful they have such a powerful context especially after me too like Karen o is such a powerful front woman she was the only girl in the band uh, at that time she was one of the few women in rock uh, when all that was blowing up and it was all these boys in bands and she was there at the front line. So it's it's a beautiful, sweet story. Yeah, uh, I did like it, but I would love to see like a, a, someone else pick up the book and say, can we make a, a, a longer part documentary? Well, we have to end it there. Yeah. I would say it. 10 parts, 12 parts, 20 <laughs> parts, yeah, yeah, 20 yeah. hours. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And we'll see you again this time next week. Thank you, Andre, for producing. I don't want to be here anymore. Pull me out of this.